As we look toward hearing God's word, let's again go to our Heavenly Father in prayer. Father, thank you for this day. We thank you that you meet us through your spirit every day, and that especially you meet us as we gather together on this and every Lord's Day. Lord, we ask that you work in each one of us. Draw us closer and closer to you. Help us today to hear your voice clearly, to experience your loving kindness more deeply, to live more and more as your children. Father, we pray all this in your name. Amen. So this is the second Sunday of our sermon series on the book of Ruth. We're calling this series The Full Harvest of Kindness. And and there is interplay throughout this book, throughout this sermon series, therefore, between fullness and emptiness, between famine and harvest, between trouble and the kindness of God. Last week, we read just the first few verses. We saw how Naomi's family went from Bethlehem out to the fields of Moab, out of God's promised land, how they experienced lots of trouble and loss there, and then how Naomi heard that the Lord had again provided food for his people in the promised land. And so today, we read Naomi and her family heading back to Bethlehem, back to the promised land. So let us read from Ruth chapter 1. We'll read from verse 6 to verse 22. Hear now the word of the Lord. When she, and that's Naomi, when she heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, Naomi and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, go back each of you to your mother's home. May the Lord show kindness to you as you have shown to your dead and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them and they wept aloud and said to her, We will go back with you to your people. But Naomi said, Return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope for me, Even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters, it is more bitter for me than for you, because the Lord's hand has gone out against me. At this they wept again. Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go, and where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if anything but death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. So the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. When they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them, and the woman exclaimed, Can this be Naomi? Don't call me Naomi, she told them. Call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law, arriving in Bethlehem. This is the word of the Lord. So I want to start with four 
truish story. These are all conversations I've had with people all over the decades as we gather on Mother's Day often. Four truish stories of different women. So the first one, Mother's Day is my favorite day of the year. It is so wonderful. All my kids come back home and the grandkids come and, and usually we have my husband's mom or my mom over and we just have a house overflowing with love and kindness and it's great. This is my favorite day of the year. Another woman, and by the way, it's Mother's Day, so I'm talking about women here, but, but men have similar experiences often. I don't talk to my kids anymore. I wish I could, but they've moved away, and, and you know, we all made mistakes, and I, I don't know what to do anymore, so I'm having dinner by myself today. The kids probably, probably aren't even going to call. Another woman. I am so tired. The children woke me up five times last night, and I don't remember what they wanted. And my husband is traveling all week this week, and I don't even know what he has planned for Mother's Day, and I am just so tired of the grind. Another woman. We've been married for a few years now. We started trying to have kids day one. We don't. All I ever wanted was to be a mother. Is it going to happen? I don't know. I don't know. We are all here today, and we have a whole range of experiences. Some of us come to this day with joy, and it is our favorite day of the year. And honestly, there are some people not in church today because it is simply too painful of a day. And I think all of our temptation is to normalize our own experience wherever we are and, and to think, how dare those people be happy when I'm so miserable? Or to think, how can anyone be miserable on this happy day? But the human experience encompasses all of that. And so if we are going to find hope and meaning, if we are going to find, if we are going to find relief from our burdens, if we are going to find true joy then we need a truth that can encompass all of those realities and can bring, all of us, can bring all of us ultimately to the Lord's loving kindness. So as we reflect on this text today, I want us to have all of these different people in mind, not just our own experience, but, but the experience of those around us and to see how the Bible, to see how the Lord speaks to all of us wherever we are coming from with words of kindness and hope. Now, Ruth functions on a couple different levels. There is the, the surface level of the story, and then there's a much deeper spiritual level of the Lord's work. So we're going to spend a fair amount of time this morning tracing out the, the surface level, the plot level, but then we're going to circle back and deepen that and see how the Lord is at work in all of Ruth here and in all of our lives. Let's, let's begin here. And this is, all, this is all organized, like the book of Ruth in many ways is organized around the theme of kindness, of God's loving kindness. But let's talk first about the sacrificial loving kindness of Naomi. Love often means sacrifice. So as I mentioned, if you were here last week, you, you know, Elimelech, Naomi's husband, and Naomi moved out of the promised land to Moab with their sons, and, and they got married there, but then Elimelech died, and their two sons died, and now, now Naomi has nothing left, and she's living in Moab, a foreign land, and, and life is pretty hopeless. All she has is her two daughters-in-law. But then she hears that there's food back in Bethlehem, her hometown, and so, so she decides to set out there. 
But for all of them, for Naomi, for Ruth, for Orpah, this is awful. In that time, in that place, this is the worst possible fate, to be, to be a set of widows, to have lost all of their husbands, to have no children. Their, their lives will be hard. They will feel emptied out for the rest of their lives, and they will hardly be able to survive. That is the future these three women set out to. And partway down the road, it seems like Naomi, Naomi realizes, realizes this and decides to make a sacrifice of her own well-being for the sake of her daughters-in-law. Love means, like we see with Naomi here, doing the hard thing sometimes, even when it hurts us. And so Naomi decides to send her daughters-in-law back home. To send them back home. And there, there's some different elements to this. We'll trace out some more later, but... But for now, it's really interesting that Naomi, the text says, sends them back to the houses of their mothers. And almost always in the Old Testament, to be back to the houses of their fathers. When the Old Testament talks about houses of their mothers, what's in view there is marriage and children. So what Naomi is saying is, if you go with me, if you go with me, all that's ahead is emptiness and bitterness. But go back home, and you can get a husband, and you can have children, and you can be part of society, and all, all the things that you always wanted in your life, you can have. So leave me leave me and go back and have full lives. And as much as it costs her, and this is, this is Naomi cutting off her only sources of income, really, and, and saying, my life is going to be hard. I'm going to make it even harder, but I want you. I want you, my daughters-in-law, to lead the fullest lives you can. So, so leave me and go back home. Now, if you're a parent, if you're a parent, you might know something of this, of, of the call to sacrifice. And maybe it means sleepless nights, and maybe it means so much more, but, but Naomi here is showing us something of what it means to be a mother, to put our children's interests and well-being ahead of our own. And so today, even on Mother's Day, I think it's worth asking us, what kind of sacrificial kindness do we as mothers and as, as fathers, and even more generally as, as people, what sacrificial kindness are we being called to show? Are there places in your life where you are putting yourself ahead of other people and where you need to step back and, and even if it's hard on you, say, I want what is best for you. And so we will do this. One particular way we can do this on Mother's Day is by rejoicing with those who rejoice and weeping with those who weep. So if you have a friend or a family member who's in a really joyous place, then celebrate with them. Say happy Mother's Day without any footnote to it and be glad for them. And on the flip side of things, if you have friends or family members who really struggle with this day, then don't demand that they be happy and joyous, but let them feel their feelings and even be supportive of them in their hardship. All right, that's Naomi. Let's, let's move on to talking about the steadfast loving kindness of Ruth. Here in this text, when Naomi sends Orpah and Ruth away, Orpah, she hesitates a little bit. Naomi has to push her a bit, but Orpah leaves. She makes what is honestly the rational choice, the best choice for her, and she goes back home. But Ruth, the text tells us, Ruth clings on to Naomi. She won't let go. The fields of Moab probably look better than going back to Bethlehem, but Ruth refuses to let go. And, and her speech here has, has five parts. We'll go through, them, go through them just briefly. Not so important you remember every part, but, but just notice how much Ruth commits to Naomi here. 
She starts off by saying to Naomi, please don't change your mind. Don't send me away. I am going to go with you. And then Ruth says, your people will be my people. And you can read that as a future tense or as a present tense. This might be Ruth saying, this is how it will be. Or Ruth saying, this is me making a commitment right now that your people are my people. And your God will be my God. Or even maybe your God is now my God. And, and where you die, I will die. My destiny is entirely cast with yours. And this is particularly powerful here at this point in Ruth because, because we've just seen Orpah decide to take off. And Ruth is saying, no, your people, your God, your destiny, mine too. Mine too. And it's also really interesting here in Ruth because Naomi's husband Elimelech and, and his whole family, including Naomi, they have chosen to leave their people. They have chosen to leave their God. And Elimelech has died in a foreign land involuntarily. What, what Ruth tells us is that they initially went to Moab just to be there for a little while, but then they got stuck there. And all the things that God's own people and Elimelech's family chose to forsake, Ruth is holding on to as an outsider, as someone who doesn't belong. But she is, she is practicing the steadfast kindness that we expect to see among God's people. She is making an ultimate commitment here. This is not a short-term commitment. This is a my whole life. My whole life and my whole afterlife now belong with your people and with your God. Now today we live in a culture that is very, very focused on self-fulfillment and we are very good at fulfilling ourselves. We have so many options and so many possibilities and in many ways this is, in many ways, this is a blessing from God that we can live such wonderful earthly lives. But along with that comes an allergy to commitment. That more and more we tell people, if a relationship ain't working for you, bail. If someone is not meeting your needs, whatever they are, just get out. Just get out. Leave the relationship behind. And this is becoming more and more true of marriage, but also of all of our relationships, that, that there is no steadfastness, there is no commitment, there is no, well, I would say ultimately, there is no loving kindness. There is just fulfill my needs or else. Now, the promise there is, hey, you can have a better relationship. Things can get better and better. You can have more and more pleasure and self-fulfillment. But the reality is that that is a lie. And that the only way that we can really live well as human beings is by honoring our commitments, by holding on even when things are tough. Now, there are exceptions to this. There are reasons to bail on relationships Bail is probably the wrong word, but there can be times we need to step away from certain relationships. But, but overall, what we are called to be and to do is to hold on, to make commitments and hold on to commitments, even when they're hard. And so on this Mother's Day, I invite you to hold on to the relationships you have. And maybe all that means is going to someone and saying, hey, mom, thank you for being a great mom. Or, hey, kid, thank you, for, thank you for having a great relationship with me and for, for growing up and hanging out. Or maybe it means you need to mend some bridges, you need to go back to somebody and say, hey, can we try this again? I know it's the 15th time, but can we try this again? Be steadfast. Be loving kind. 
But there is a problem, a terrible problem at the end of this text, and that's Naomi's empty bitterness. Naomi's empty bitterness. So I want to invite you to picture a situation where where a father has built up Mother's Day incredibly, and, and he's all ready for it. It's going to be incredible, and he's got this great gift planned. And so his wife opens the gift, and it's a mop and a bucket. It's a mop and a bucket. And her husband says, why don't you get to work? And now imagine the silence after that. Not a happy silence. And now imagine the husband pushing the point and imagine what his wife will come back with. And will those be happy words? For those of you who bought a mop and a bucket, let the reader discern what his path should be. Get something else. But here in this text, so we have, we have Ruth coming to Naomi and clinging on to her and saying, where you go, I will go, and, and your people are my people, and your God is my God, and where you die, I'm going to die, I am totally in. And how does Naomi respond? How does Naomi respond? What does she say? She says nothing. Imagine if you were in a situation where you have just promised your life to somebody and all you get back is Wow. What does that say about where Naomi is? And then the two of them get to Bethlehem, and the town marvels that Naomi has come back, and Naomi just rips into them. Don't call me Naomi, which means pleasant, by the way. Call me Mara, which means bitter, because I went out full and I came back empty. My life is worthless. I have nothing. And she says all of this in Bethlehem, the house of bread where the Lord has provided food for his people. And she says all of this in the presence of Ruth, who has given up everything to follow her and to come home with her. And Naomi, at this point, is just a bitter, empty, nasty old woman. We should be careful not to make heroes of human beings because, because they've let us down. We should be careful not to just say, be like Naomi or be like Ruth, because here we see Naomi, who who a few verses before has really been doing some good things. Now she's just mad. And she looks at her daughter-in-law and by implication says, you're worthless, you're nothing, I got nothing. And she looks around at her community who have welcomed her back, and she says, ah, I got nothing. And she shakes her fist at heaven and says, God, who has time for God anymore? Naomi here, as we read this text, we should read it as as her failing. She is missing the mark. She is, again, a bitter, empty, old woman. But the thing is that she's still in this story. And in this story, she's not condemned. She's not. And so as we, as we read this story and as we reflect on where Naomi is and where we are, even if you come today and you are at that place where, where you feel like your life is empty, where you feel like all your relationships are pointless, where you would say, look at how nasty all of this is. Even if you are at that point with Naomi, there is a place for you here. There is a place. Now, we, we need to be, again, careful with, 
with how we interact with the characters in the Bible because our temptation is to say, well, be like Naomi, be like Ruth, do what they do. And in fact, we probably should not respond like Naomi here. But even if we do, God is gracious to us. And so I want to invite you today, if, if you're more in a celebratory mood, we're about to turn the page towards celebration and, and how great this day is. But, but if you're not in a celebratory mood, then I want you to understand that that you're in this story too. And that God is at work even in your life, even in the ways that, that you can't see right now. And for all of us, whether you're a mother or you have a mother, and it's one or the other for all of us, or both, all human mothers fail. All of our human efforts are ultimately incomplete. And you might have the best mother, or you might be the best mother, but there will still be things that you fail at. Or there might still be places where your relationship is not what it needs to be. And, and we should expect that. We should not expect to find real fullness and satisfaction in our merely human relationships. And now we come to the deeper level, to what, to what Ruth wants us to hear as the real story beneath the story. And the real story is not about Naomi or about Ruth or about their love and their kindness or about their failures. It is about the steadfast, sacrificial, full, unending, loving kindness of the Lord. If we read this text carefully, God shows up all over the place with all kinds of hints that that there is hope even for Naomi and Ruth and even for us. Chapter 1 begins with a famine and a departure that, that God's people leave because there's no food and they go somewhere else. By the end of the chapter, they're back in Bethlehem, which means house of food, and it's harvest time. We've gone from famine to harvest. The Lord has been at work. And you know, at the end of this chapter here, Naomi is, is bitter, and she says, call me Mara, call me bitter, because my life is emptied out. But all through this chapter, the narrator, the narrator continues to call her Naomi, even though in her own eyes she is bitter and empty, in the eyes of the Lord, she is full and will be blessed. Her life will ultimately be pleasant. And finally, finally the Lord if you read this text and you watch out for how the Lord acts, it's subtle, but the Lord is doing things all over the place here. The Lord is the one who provides food for people in Bethlehem after the famine. The Lord is the one who brings Naomi back from faithlessness and from being out of the land. And even in Naomi's anger, angry speech, she says, Almighty twice, and, and she says, Lord twice. And, and we should hear those words in a particular way. The word for almighty there is Shaddai, and, and it is usually in the Old Testament when it shows up, it shows up in context where God's people are about to be wiped out. It shows up often where things are rough and hopeless, and then God the Almighty turns everything around. And the key meaning, the key point of the, phrase, of the word Lord is it's I am. It's God's covenant name. It's a relational name. It's God saying, I am going to be gracious and compassionate, loving and kind to you. It's not on the surface level, but if you read this text, how it's intended to be read, the real message is not look at Naomi or look at Ruth, but look at what the Lord is doing for his people and see how he is bringing them to blessing. Ultimately, this is, well, it's a lot like the whole Bible where, where we see God's people fail and we see God's people struggle and we see them fail and we see them struggle and and things seem so emptied out, but then Jesus comes 
And he sacrifices himself for us. And he, in his steadfast loving kindness, brings us back to the Lord. And in so many ways, this is like our lives too, that sometimes they're better, sometimes they're worse. But, but they go on and on, and it's easy for us to lose the, lose the thread of the plot. But the plot is that the Lord is loving and kind to us. And so on this, this Mother's Day, I do invite you to reflect on, on what sacrifices may have been made for you on what sacrifices you might need for others. And I do invite you to reflect on who has been steadfast and loving in your life and to thank them. And to reflect on where you might need to amp up your commitment or renew your commitment or, or try to, to patch up a relationship. Those are important things. But, but the really important thing is not to look at yourself and not to look at Naomi and not to look at Ruth, but to look at the Lord. And the really important thing on this Mother's Day and every Sunday and every day is to recognize that in the Lord we find all the loving kindness that we so desperately need. And so if you are in a place of fullness and joy today, then give thanks to the Lord. Let this be a day of celebration and thanksgiving and and not just on the horizontal human level, but look to the Lord and say, Lord, you have blessed me so much. Thank you. And if this is a day of emptiness and challenge for you, then again, look to the Lord and and go to him in honesty and say that you feel how you feel, but also ask that your eyes be open to how the Lord has been kind to you, how he does love you even, even when life circumstances are so not what you want and so not what the rest of us want for you. Let us today let us today look to the loving kindness of our Lord God. Let's pray. Father, for so many of us, this is such a good day. We are grateful for the ways that you made the world, that that there would be families and there would be fathers and mothers to raise children and, and that we could participate in that wonderful arrangement. Lord, we thank you and we praise you because that often goes so well because because for so many of us, we have been blessed with wonderful families generation after generation and we have so much to be thankful for. Lord, help us today to celebrate our mothers and to celebrate you as, as the source of all that is good. But Father, at the same time, so many of us feel so emptied out, maybe always, maybe especially today. We look at our lives, we look at our world, and things are just not how they're supposed to be, not what we wanted, not what we dreamed, and and not what makes any sense to us. And Father, it can be so hard to trust in you on days like today. And so we pray that as we hear this story today that you that you whisper, that you speak, that you shout into our hearts that truly you are Lord Almighty. And that even if we can't see it yet, that you are at work. Lord, we pray that whatever life circumstance we're in, that you help us to see that you are at work and to experience the reality of your kindness and your love for us. We pray all this in your name. Amen.